As we prepare for the message this morning, please open your Bibles to the book of Ruth. The book of Ruth. Well, we finished the book of Judges and we saw what a dark period in Israel's history as they cycle through these periods of apostasy. The book of Ruth, though, is a ray of sunshine during those dark days of the Judges. As Israel turns its back on God and the nation slips in and out of anarchy, the story of Ruth reminds us that God is faithful even in the midst of unfaithfulness. While the book of Judges focuses on Israel's cycle of apostasy, this beautiful story, beautiful story, shines the spotlight on the plight of a family trying to cope with the various struggles of living life in a fallen world. As bad as things were going in the nation Israel, and all the uncertainty as a nation, and no strong leadership, the end of the book of Judges, it says, in those days there was no king in Israel. You still have to live life and eke out an existence and cope with disease and tragedy In all the various trials of life, the book of Ruth reminds us that, yes, God is God over the nations, but He cares for individuals, and our individual lives matter deeply to Him. It's a story of faith and God's compassionate love. Indeed, God is sovereign over the heavens and earth, and God is sovereign over over the nations, but God is even sovereign over the seemingly insignificant life of a Moabite widow named Ruth. This book is so exquisitely written that literary experts through the ages have marveled at its perfections. The renowned 18th century playwright and poet Johann Wolfgang von Goethe, he described the book of Ruth as the loveliest, complete work on a small scale ever composed. It's high praise. The entire story may be read in under 20 minutes, yet you could spend a lifetime mining its treasures. So this morning, I want to honor God and fill our hearts with His awesome beauty through the public reading of the entire book. There will be no slides this morning. We will experience the simplistic brilliance of God's masterpiece as so many Millions have through the ages as a story read aloud. Story time, brothers and sisters. Drink up from God's word. After each chapter, I'll provide a brief commentary concerning the cultural details so that we can appreciate the story more deeply. But let's get into the text. Chapter 1, we'll call this chapter, God Calls the Meek. God calls the meek. Now it came about in the days where the judges governed that there was a famine in the land, and a certain man of Bethlehem and Judah went to sojourn in the land of Moab with his wife and his two sons. The name of the man was Elimelech, and the name of his wife Naomi, and the names of his two sons were Malon and Chilion, Ephrathites of Bethlehem and Judah. Now they entered the land of Moab and remained there, Then Elimelech, Naomi's husband, died, and she was left with her two sons. 
They took for themselves Moabite women as wives. The name of the one was Orpah, and the name of the other, Ruth. And they lived there about ten years. Then both Malon and Chilion also died. And the woman was bereft of her two children and her husband. Then she arose with her daughters-in-law that she might return from the land of Moab. For she had heard in the land of Moab that the Lord had visited his people in giving them food. So she departed from the place where she was and her two daughters-in-law with her. And they went on the way to return to the land of Judah. And Naomi said to her two daughters-in-law, Go, return each of you to her mother's house. May the Lord deal kindly with you as you have dealt with the dead and with me. May the Lord grant that you may find rest, each in the house of her husband. Then she kissed them, and they lifted up their voices and wept. And they said to her, No, but we will surely return with you to your people. But Naomi said, Return, my daughters, why should you go with me? Have I yet sons in my womb that they may be your husbands? Return, my daughters, go, for I am too old to have a husband. If I said I have hope, if I should even have a husband tonight and also bear sons, would you therefore wait until they were grown? Would you therefore refrain from marrying? No, my daughters, for it is harder for me than for you. For the hand of the Lord has gone forth against me. And they lifted up their voices and wept again. And Orpah kissed her mother-in-law, but Ruth clung to her. Then she said, Behold, your sister-in-law has gone back to her people and her gods. Return after your sister-in-law. But Ruth said, Do not urge me to leave you or turn back from following you. For where you go, I will go, and where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people. And your God, my God. Where you die, I will die, and there I will be buried. Thus may the Lord do to me, and worse, if anything but death parts you and me. And when she saw that she was determined to go with her, she said no more to her. So they both went until they came to Bethlehem. And when they had come to Bethlehem, all the city was stirred because of them. And the woman, the women said, Is this Naomi? She said to them, Do not call me Naomi, call me Mara, for the Almighty has dealt very bitterly with me. I went out full, but the Lord has brought me back empty. Why do you call me Naomi, since the Lord has witnessed against me and the Almighty has afflicted me? So Naomi returned, and with her Ruth, the Moabitess, her daughter-in-law, who returned from the land of Moab. And they came to Bethlehem at the beginning of barley harvest. I went out full. I came back empty. Can you relate to this? Times in your life where you feel full to overflowing. And the Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. Bethlehem means house of bread. Ironically, there was no bread. 
God would often bring famine through drought upon the land to punish, to rebuke, to chastise his people for their apostasy, but also to test your faith. If there's no trials, if there's no hardship, if there's no suffering, how will we know our faith in God is real? Names are significant in the book of Ruth, and the original audience would have known the meaning of these names, and it would have enhanced the story. Elimelech means God is king, and really it's the theme of the book. God is king. He is sovereign. Naomi means pleasant. And who wouldn't be pleasant, blessed with a God-fearing husband and two sons? If there's anything we've learned from studying the Old Testament about the Jewish people is how important a son was to the family. How much Sarah wanted a son. How badly Leah and Rachel wanted sons. And everything was going well for Naomi. Like the nation Israel, though, she ended up wandering from the promises of God. Famine hits And they go to the land of Moab. The Jewish audience at this point would go from the highest of highs. Wow, what, what a great family. Naomi's so blessed to have two sons. And then famine hits, and, and they're accustomed to this happening. Rainfall is very inconsistent in Israel. And if the rains don't come at just the right time, then the harvest isn't bountiful. But to go to Moab, east of the Jordan, a city settled by Lot's son Moab that he had through an incestuous relationship with his eldest daughter. The Moabites were the perennial enemies of Israel. They worshipped the false god Chemosh. And so to have to travel to Moab was a terrible thought in the ears of the listeners. But they do. They go to Moab and something terrible happens. She loses her husband, although common in that day. So common that God in the Mosaic Law sets up provisions for widows. This is why it's so important to have a son. Multiple sons would be even better to enlarge your family, to know you'd be taken care of in your old age, And most importantly, for the family name to live on. At least she had her two sons, Malon and Chilion. And they did what they had to do to get by. They married Moabite women. Now, for the original audience, this would not have sat well. Couldn't they have waited until the famine was over and go home and find Israelite women to marry Moabite women? So the story starts out on a high, and it just keeps getting lower. Well, but hey, at least she has her sons, and now they're married, but their wives are barren. Ten years they live in the land, and not a single child. Could, could things get any worse for Naomi? Indeed they do, as she loses both of her sons, The only family she has left now are these Moabite daughter-in-laws. 
But we do see a glimmer of God's grace. The famine's over in Israel, they can return. Orpah's name is from the root, Hebrew root neck. And so commentators surmise that Orpah was a stiff-necked woman. Instead of going home with Naomi, though Naomi pled her case and said it would be very difficult for you to return with me. Certainly, I'm too old to remarry. Even if I did, what are the chances I would be able to conceive? And then what are the chances they'd be sons? And then what are the chances you would even wait for them to be adults? And would you really want to marry a son half your age? And so she says, go back to your family before it's too late. Don't waste another day of your life with someone like me. And Israelite theology was that when this kind of terrible tragedy strikes, it must be because I did something wrong and God is punishing me, like the book of Job. Although they should know from the book of Job that tragedy does not always mean God is punishing But we see this glimmer of God's grace. Ruth, her name means friend, faithful friend. She chooses to return home with her mother-in-law and confesses these amazing words, your God will be my God. Your people will be my people. The Mosaic law does have provision for foreigners to become grafted into the family of God, though it would be difficult for her to return a widow, a Moabite, living with an older widow. It would be very difficult for her to find a husband, let alone scratch out a living day today. But she has tasted and seen that the Lord is good. In the good times and in the bad times, and like Peter's confession in John chapter 6, to whom shall we go, Lord? You have the words of eternal life. She knew that the God of Israel was the true God. Where else would she go? There was nothing for her back in the land of her family and her false gods. And so they returned to Israel during the barley harvest, middle to late April, spring, spring. The season of hope and new life and new opportunities and new possibilities. Let's continue the story. Now Naomi had a kinsman of her husband, a man of great wealth of the family of Elimelech, whose name was Boaz. And Ruth the Moabitess said to Naomi, Please let me go to the field and glean among the ears of grain after one in whose sight I may find favor. And she said to her, Go, my daughter. So she departed and went and gleaned in the field after the reapers, and she happened to come to the portion of the field belonging to Boaz, who was of the family of Elimelech. Now behold, Boaz came from Bethlehem and said to the reapers, May the Lord be with you. And they said to him, May the Lord bless you. Then Boaz said to his servant who was in charge of the reapers, Whose young woman is this? The servant in charge of the reapers replied, She is the young Moabite woman who returned with Naomi from the land of Moab. And she said, Please let me glean and gather after the reapers among the sheaves. 
Thus she came and has remained from the morning until now. She has been sitting in the house for a little while. Then Boaz said to Ruth, Listen carefully, my daughter. Do not go to glean in another field. Furthermore, do not go on from this one, but stay here with my maids. Let your eyes be on the field which they reap and go after them. Indeed, I have commanded the servants not to touch you. When you are thirsty, go to the water jars and drink from what the servants draw. Then she fell on her face, bowing to the ground, and said to him, Why have I found favor in your sight, that you should take notice of me, since I am a foreigner? Boaz replied to her, All that you have done for your mother-in-law after the death of your husband has been fully reported to me, and how you left your father and your mother in the land of your birth, and came to a people that you did not previously know. May the Lord reward your work, and your wages be full from the Lord." the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to seek refuge. Then she said, I have found favor in your sight, my Lord, for you have comforted me and indeed have spoken kindly to your maidservant, though I am not like one of your maidservants. At mealtime, Boaz said to her, Come here that you may eat of the bread and dip your piece of bread in the vinegar. So she sat beside the reapers, and he served her roasted grain, and she ate and was satisfied, and had some left. When she rose to glean, Boaz commanded his servants, saying, Let her glean even among the sheaves, and do not insult her. Also you shall purposely pull out for her some grain from the bundles, and leave it, that she may glean, and do not rebuke her. So she gleaned in the field until evening, then she beat out what she had gleaned, And it was about an ephah of barley. She took it up and went into the city, and her mother-in-law saw what she had gleaned. She also took it out and gave Naomi what she had left after she was satisfied. Her mother-in-law then said to her, Where did you glean today, and where did you work? May he who took notice of you be blessed. So she told her mother-in-law with whom she had worked and said, The name of the man with whom I work today is Boaz. Naomi said to her daughter-in-law, May he be blessed of the Lord who has not withdrawn his kindness to the living and to the dead. Again, Naomi said to her, The man is our relative. He is one of our closest relatives. Then Ruth the Moabitess said, Furthermore, he said to me, You should stay close to my servants until they have finished all my harvest. Naomi said to Ruth, her daughter-in-law, It is good, my daughter that you go out with his maids, so that others do not fall upon you in another field. So she stayed close by the maids of Boaz in order to glean until the end of the barley harvest and the wheat harvest. And she lived with her mother-in-law. Lessons chapter 2, which we'll call God blesses the meek. He calls the meek and he blesses the meek. The name Boaz means in him is strength. Sounds like a strong name, right? Boaz. More people should name their sons Boaz. Mosaic law provided for the poor and the sojourner, the foreigner, because God cares about the poor. He takes care of the sojourner. He cares about all the nations. Naomi says to Boaz, I am not like your other maids. 
She may have been darker skinned. She had a different look about her. It was obvious she was from the land of Moab. She stood out in the field. She would have probably been mistreated as a foreigner. There was danger of her even being violated out in the fields. But Boaz ordered her to be protected and that she would even glean in the middle of the field. It was Mosaic law that landowners were not allowed to glean the edges of their field or the corners so that the poor could find food for themselves. And it was also Mosaic law that anything that was dropped, you were not allowed to go back and pick up. You would leave that behind for the poor. But Boaz says, I want you to come into my field as one of my own maidservants and glean directly. Boaz took notice of Ruth for her diligence and maybe perhaps her inner beauty that just exuded out of her. Something was different about this woman. And he asked around about her and everyone had a good report about her faithfulness to take care of her mother-in-law and how she had left home to serve the God of Israel. Her prospects of marriage would be slim, considering she's a barren Moabitess who lives with a destitute widow, but the end of chapter 2 gives us hope. Chapter 3 God redeems the meek. Then Naomi, her mother-in-law, said to her, My daughter, shall I not seek security for you, that it may be well with you? Now is not Boaz our kinsman, with whose maids you were? Behold, he winnows barley at the threshing floor tonight. Wash yourself, therefore, and anoint yourself, and put on your best clothes, and go down to the threshing floor. But do not make yourself known to the man until he has finished eating and drinking. It shall be when he lies down that you shall notice the place where he lies, and you shall go and uncover his feet and lie down. Then he will tell you what you shall do. She said to her, All that you say I will do. So she went down to the threshing floor and did according to all that her mother-in-law had commanded her. When Boaz had eaten and drunk and his heart was merry, he went to lie down at the end of the heap of grain, and she came secretly and uncovered his feet and lay down. It happened in the middle of the night that the man was startled and bent forward, and behold, a woman was lying at his feet. He said, Who are you? And she answered, I am Ruth, your maid. So spread your covering over your maid, for you are a close relative. Then he said, May you be blessed of the Lord, my daughter. You have shown your last kindness to be better than the first by not going after young men, whether poor or rich. Now, my daughter, do not fear. I will do for you whatever you ask. For all my people in the city know that you are a woman of excellence. Now, it is true I am a close relative. However, there is a relative closer than I. Remain this night, and when morning comes, if he will redeem you, good. Let him redeem you. But if he does not wish to redeem you, then I will redeem you as the Lord lives. Now, lie down until morning. So she lay at his feet until morning and rose before one could recognize another. And he said, Let it not be known that the woman came to the threshing floor. Again he said, Give me the cloak that is on you and hold it. So she held it and he measured six measures of barley and laid it on her. Then she went into the city. 
When she came to her mother-in-law, she said, How did it go, my daughter? And she told her all that the man had done for her. She said, These six measures of barley he gave to me, for he said, Do not go to your mother-in-law empty-handed. Then she said, Wait, my daughter, until you know how the matter turns out, for the man will not rest until he has settled it today. Naomi's a smart woman. She knows when a man is interested. He will settle the matter today. A kinsman redeemer or a close relative, according to the Mosaic law, could redeem a family member who was, had been sold into slavery. They couldn't pay their debt, so they had to become a slave. You, you could redeem them, pay off their debt. Or you could redeem land that needed to be sold under economic hardship, and or you could even redeem the family name by virtue of marrying a widow who had no sons. In fact, it was expected, it was expected that the oldest would marry the widow. Ruth's virtue again shines through as she is willing to marry a man much older than herself because she values Boaz's godly character, and he recognizes this in her. May the Lord bless you for not chasing after young men, rich or poor. Now, nothing scandalous happened on the threshing room floor. This is an ancient custom whereby a man would spread his garment over a woman to signify he was willing to be a kinsman redeemer. In the same way that the scriptures describes God covering us under his wings as under eagles' wings. Well, the conclusion, chapter 4, God exalts the meek. God exalts the meek. Now Boaz went up to the gate and sat down there, and behold, the close relative of whom Boaz spoke was passing by. So he said, Turn aside, friend, sit down here. And he turned aside and sat down, and he took ten men of the elders of the city and said, Sit down here. So they sat down. Then he said to the closest relative, Naomi, who has come back from the land of Moab, has to sell the piece of land which belonged to our brother Elimelech. So I thought to inform you, saying, Buy it before those who are sitting here and before the elders of my people. If you will redeem it, redeem it. But if not, tell me that I may know. For there is no one but you to redeem it, and I am after you. And he said, I will redeem it. Then Boaz said, Oh, on the day you buy the field from the hand of Naomi, you must also acquire Ruth the Moabitess, the widow of the deceased, in order to raise up the name of the deceased on his inheritance. Then the closest relative said, I cannot redeem it for myself, because I would be jeopardizing my own inheritance. Redeem it for yourself. You may have my right of redemption, for I cannot redeem it. Now, this was the custom in former times in Israel concerning the redemption and the exchange of land to confirm any matter. A man removed his sandal and gave it to another. And this was the manner of attestation in Israel. So the closest relative said to Boaz, Buy it for yourself. And he removed his sandal. Then Boaz said to the elders and all the people, You are witnesses today that I have bought from the hand of Naomi all that belonged to Elimelech and all that belonged to Chilion and Malon. Moreover, I have acquired Ruth, the Moabitess. 
the widow of Malon, to be my wife, in order to raise up the name of the deceased on his inheritance, so that the name of the deceased will not be cut off from his brothers or from the court of his birthplace. You are witnesses today. And all the people who were in the court and the elders said, We are witnesses. May the Lord make the woman who is coming into your home like Rachel and Leah, both of whom built the house of Israel. And may you achieve wealth in Ephrathah and become famous in Bethlehem. Moreover, may your house be like the house of Perez, whom Tamar bore to Judah, through the offspring which the Lord will give you by this young woman. So Boaz took Ruth, and she became his wife, and he went into her. And the Lord enabled her to conceive... And she gave birth to a son. Then the women said to Naomi, Blessed is the Lord who has not left you without a redeemer today. And may his name become famous in Israel. May he also be to you a restorer of life and a sustainer of your old age. For your daughter-in-law who loves you and is better to you than seven sons has given birth to him. Then Naomi took the child and laid him in her lap and became his nurse, the neighbor women gave him a name, saying, A son has been born to Naomi. So they named him Obed, which means servant. He is the father of Jesse, the father of King David. Now these are the generations of Perez. To Perez was born Hezron, and to Hezron was born Ram, and to Ram, Amenadab, and to Amenadab was born Nashon, and to Nashon, Salmon, And to Salmon was born Boaz, and to Boaz, Obed, and to Obed was born Jesse, and to Jesse, David. Ruth, a woman of such exceptional character that the women of the village exalt her name, this foreigner, this destitute widow, they exalt her name by saying she is better for Naomi than seven sons. You couldn't give a woman higher praise in that culture. It's a shocking ending for the Jewish listeners that God would exalt a foreigner, a woman, an impoverished widow. Ruth, the meek and lowly Moabite widow, is exalted by God as the great-grandmother of King David which also puts her in the royal line of King Jesus. We started the story with Elimelech, whose name meant God is King. And God brought a king to us, Jesus Christ, King of kings, Lord of lords, through a destitute foreign woman. God has a heart for the meek and a heart for the nations. The story of Ruth teaches us that God is sovereign even when it seems like all of life is chaos and misery. He is still working out His plan of salvation. He is faithful to keep His covenant with the nation Israel, though He allows the children of Israel to experience extreme hardship because of their hard-heartedness. But God is also working out His plan of redemption for all the nations. Not only did He save the Gentile Ruth, but He gave her a prominent role in the kingly line. In the same way, he exalted the foreigner Rahab. The book of Ruth is a real story about real people living real lives in real history. Don't forget that it's not just a story. It's history. 
In Jewish tradition, Ruth is grouped together with the other wisdom books, Esther, Song of Solomon, Ecclesiastes, and Proverbs. One might say that Boaz is the personification of the man of wisdom described in Proverbs, and Ruth is the embodiment of the Proverbs 31 woman. But of greatest importance, and this is where I want you to focus this morning, of greatest importance, the book of Ruth reveals to us the ultimate kinsman redeemer. We need to be redeemed out of the slave market of sin. We are destitute sinners wandering in a foreign land, and Christ is our Boaz. In him is strength. Ruth is the church, his bride, We lay at the feet of our Redeemer at the foot of the cross and humbly beseech Him to be our Redeemer. Jesus Christ, our Boaz, purchases us out of slavery with His own blood, blesses us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, and brings us into the royal family of God. Do you not know that you are like Ruth? a destitute foreigner wandering through a dry and weary land, cut off from the blessings of God because of your sin. But there is a Redeemer. His name is Jesus Christ. Won't you humble yourself at His feet and ask Him to be your Redeemer? And invite up the worship team, and they're going to lead us in singing, There is a Redeemer. And then you'll be dismissed after we've finished.